three to us on St. Augustine by Father Anthony Meredith. He was born on November the 13th, 354, and he died on August the 28th, 430. Therefore he was about 75 when he died. We know his family name, we know his mother was called Monica, a very important woman who had a great influence on him. His father was called Patrick. His father was not a Christian, but his mother was a devout Christian, and she is one of the influences upon his life which helped to turn him into a Christian. We know he had a brother called Navigius, and a son by the lady whose name we do not know. She was his mistress for 15 years. The son was called Ardeodatus, which means given by God. Well, he was brought up in North Africa, in a, a town called Tagaste, which is modern Souk Aras in Algeria. And his earliest education, the education which I think meant most of all to him, had enormous effect upon him. He was trained as a rhetorician. In other words, he learned how to speak well, to speak elegantly, and to speak with a good style. And his style and his power of expression are things which must strike anyone who endeavours to read him. Above all, the most famous of all the books he wrote, The Confessions, in which he outlines his life from his earliest days to his becoming a Christian. He devoted himself so strongly to rhetoric, he can move in his desire to improve his prospects of future life from Tagaste to Carthage in the hopes of getting a good job as a teacher of rhetoric. He was also influenced during that period in his desire to become more than simply a rhetorician, but also a philosopher. And he was pointed in that direction by one of the greatest of all Latin speakers, Cicero, who wrote a dialogue, sadly now lost, called the Hortensius, which Augustine read and desired as a result of that to discover the nature of truth, the nature of true happiness. And this was an enormous impulse to him as the years went on. He, unfortunately, fell under the influence of a sect, powerful in North Africa and elsewhere, called the Manichees. The Manichees were quite convinced that matter was evil and the spirit was good. And Augustine is said to have been influenced to follow them on one very hot day, when he was in Africa and as he sat in the heat he was irritated by a flea and eventually uh, Maliki said to him do you really believe that flea was created by God? and Augustine said of course I do and then he went on he went more and more hot and more and more irritable and then he said well perhaps he wasn't created by God so the Maliki is said to have taken him further on his journey into Manichaeism by arguing that perhaps not a flea and what about uh, a larger larger insect and eventually an elephant. So eventually Augustine came to the conclusion under the influence of the Manichaeans that matter was somehow or other poisoned. Uh, And uh, this was under the Manichaeans derived their name from their originator in ancient Persia called Mani. The Manichaeans had a great influence upon Augustine for 11 years from 373 to 384, when he gradually shook off their influence. Well, he left Africa and went to Rome in order to find his position as a teacher of rhetoric. 
he found his pupils rather unwilling to pay, so he moved off upward north to Milan, where he met and heard St. Ambrose. He was in Italy for only six years of his life at most, 383 to 389, and it was there that he met, as I say, St. Ambrose, and also read the philosopher who helped to emancipate him from the clutches of Mani, that is, the great Greek philosopher Plotinus, who persuaded him by what he wrote that evil was not something real, but something negative, that God did not create it, because it was negative and God does not create negative things. And with that thought in mind, he was emancipated gradually from the control of Manichaeism. As I say, he went to Milan, he heard Ambrose preach and was so impressed that he was baptized by the great Ambrose in 387 at Easter evening. He was ordained priest in 391 back in Africa and he became Bishop of Hippo in 396 and remained there for the rest of his life, never returned to Italy from which he had learned his Christianity. And as bishop, he was faced with enormous challenges all over the place. But I think perhaps it's worthwhile remembering that his conviction about Christianity being the home to which he belonged was partly because of his mother, Monica, partly because of Ambrose, partly because of Plotinus. But also, one day, when he was in a garden, he heard some child crying out, Tolle lege, tolle lege, take up and read take up and read and he took up the nearest book at hand which happened to be one of the letters of St Paul and there he read the famous sentence which runs as follows not in riots and drunken parties not in eroticism and indecencies not in strife and rivalry but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in its lusts and he continues I neither wish nor needed to read further. At once, with the last words of his sentence, it was as if a light of relief from all anxiety flooded into my heart. All the shadows of doubt were dispelled. So St. Paul was the other great influence upon Augustine in bringing him to the church. When he was bishop, he was faced with numbers of different challenges, he was faced with a challenge presented, of course, by the Aryans, the Vandals, who were busy invading North Africa. He was also influenced by people called the Donatists, who believed that sacraments conferred by those who were not worthy were not valid. Augustine denied this. He was also influenced by his desire to deal with the great danger presented by Pelagianism. Pelagius uh, the British monk or British hermit who came from Scotland probably and uh, who argued against Augustine above all the sentence of Augustine give what you command and command what you will Augustine was quite convinced that we couldn't get on without the gift of God and Pelagius like many Britons believed that you could get on without the gift of God if you only tried hard enough so here was Augustine faced with these extraordinary challenges uh, in order to meet the which he wrote some books which have lasted and are still read. But I suppose the most difficult challenge which he had to face was what happened 
in Rome in the year 410 when Rome was sacked by the Goths and Augustine in order to try and answer the challenge laid down by the pagans how can you really believe in a god who allows the most ancient capital of the world Rome to be sacked by invaders and to answer this question Augustine compiled one of the most famous books in history The City of God in 22 books which he finished about the year 427 having begun it in 415 this contains a wonderful account of the way in which we are to understand the nature of God's action in the world and he has a famous sentence in it that you can only be dominated by two loves either love of God to the contempt of self or love of self to the contempt of God he is somewhat of what you might call a black and white writer in that particular connection anyway Augustine continued writing to the end of his life until the vandals approached Carthage and as they approached Carthage he is said according to Baha'i's biographer Posidius to have turned in his anxiety to Plotinus whom he had read when he was a younger man and Plotinus says in a famous passage in his treatise on happiness one would not be serious if one really supposed the bricks and stones were something which were immortal. They are all dead things and we are made for something living. So don't worry too much about the disaster which approaches Carthage and Hippo and North Africa. Of course the Vandals did win but Augustine died on August the 28th, 430 at the age of 75. So there you have in a very, very brief outline something of this extraordinary man's uh, power and effect. He wrote a book which is quite novel, The Confessions, nothing like it in ancient literature really, certainly among the Greeks, and it has an enormous influence upon later writers, among whom we must number people like Rousseau and Cardinal Newman. Rousseau's work is entitled The Confessions, I think, Cardinal Newman is entitled The Apologia Pro Vita Sua. But both of them endeavour to go over their lives and see in them the finger of God at work. Spiritual vision, I suppose, one of the most vital and important elements is his stress upon the importance of the heart. He's not simply a mental thinker or a mental prayer. He believes the heart is important. And... He has a famous sentence in the opening of the Confessions when he says, Thou hast created us, O Lord, for thyself, and our heart is restless to rest in thee. The word heart, heart, heart occurs on many, many occasions, above all in the Confessions, but in other writings too. The inner self, the inner self, the inner truest self, independent to some extent of the mind and of other things, but the heart directing itself always inwards and upwards, upwards and outwards to God.